Our second scripture today comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, starting with verse 12. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your heart, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of the Lord. Well, one of the fun things about being a parent is that you get to reread the books that you loved as a kid. But there's actually one set of stories that I didn't really read that much to my kids um, because I think you can't truly appreciate them as much until you're a teenager or older. And that's Winnie the Pooh and the House at Pooh Corner. It's a two-volume set of short stories written by Alan Alexander Milne in 1926. And like J.R.L. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis after, Milne was writing in a time where Europe was deeply wrestling with its own humanity. The effects of two world wars had on these two generations gave birth to literature, even children's literature, that unpacked what it meant to be a human community. Now last week, we began this two-week look at chapter three of Paul's letter to the Colossians, and we saw a community that was on a similar journey away from the worst that human beings can do to one another to the kind of community that Christ has modeled and called us into. And while last week we talked about the imperative to throw off the abusive and controlling and marginalizing ways of power and privilege, Today, we're setting the tone of what we are meant to live into and how we are to sustain it. And here is where A.A. Milne and his tales from the Hundred Acre Wood offer us such rich messages. Early in the first book, we encounter Eeyore, a character who has gotten some celebration of late because he has depression. And yet he's fully accepted into the community without anyone trying to change or fix him. And in one of these first stories, Eeyore has lost his tail. Pooh discovers that Owl, who is regarded as the smartest animal in the wood, has Eeyore's tail hanging outside of his front door as a bell rope. Owl tells of how he found Eeyore's tail and pulled on it, until it came off in his hand. And older readers can see woven into some of Owl's actions that he comes from a place of privilege. He presumed that because he found it, that nobody seemed to want it, and therefore it was his for the taking. Pooh tells Owl that, in fact, someone did want it and was actually rather attached to it, 
Uh, and then he's able to return Eeyore's tail to him. And Eeyore proceeds to jump around and flip with joyful appreciation. There was no argument, no court battle over who the tail belonged to. It was a wrong that was made right. So just as Paul writes that we are to bear with one another, even if you have a complaint against another, forgive each other as God has forgiven you. Owl doesn't get uptight about how he was somehow entitled to the tail now that he'd found it, or that he'd been using it for a while and he was now used to it. There were no news pundits debating over whether Owl's use of the tail was more important or better use of resources than how Eeyore had used it, or that Eeyore should somehow be happy to give up his tail for some larger purpose. Or that because Owl's home included a doorbell, clearly there was some use there, and with a lack of rope, the resources of the Hundred Acre Wood should go to him. Nor were there any Eeyore rights activists seeking to boycott Owl on Twitter for his error. It was simply a wrong. Pooh pointed it out, and it was made right. Forgiveness, as Paul writes about, is a gift to us from God. A gift we are then meant to share out of the humility of what that gift has meant for our lives. This is the hinge point upon which this whole set of verses pivots. Paul reminds us that the first thing we must accept is that we are beloved. One of my dear friends from seminary, who is now the pastor at Vashon Presbyterian, has the word beloved tattooed on her forearm. She put it there when we were doing our senior thesis as her final expression of what seminary had cemented most to her, that all of us are beloved. And we are beloved no matter what we do or say or think or believe. We are beloved children of God. And as beloved people, we have been given the ability to have compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. When we center ourselves on that feeling of love from our Creator, we allow ourselves to hold it in the depths of who we are. And we allow it to become the basis of our identity. And that love then springs forth out of us like a geyser. Pastor Lee's tattoo serves not only as a reminder to herself of this fact, but it has proven to be an amazing evangelical tool for her to share with others who ask her why that is on her arm. Clothe yourselves. Tattoo yourself. Take delight in your tale being returned to you. When you fully understand your belovedness, forgiveness actually becomes much easier. Now in a later chapter of Winnie the Pooh, the boys club of the Hundred Acre Wood gets broken up when Kanga and Rue come to the forest. Now Kanga is met with heavy suspicion by some, particularly Rabbit who finds the fact that she carries her baby in a pouch to be very strange. And I love the way that he expresses this. He says to Piglet and Pooh, Here we are, 
Very slowly and carefully, he says, all of us. And then, suddenly, we wake up one morning, and what do we find? We find a strange animal among us, an animal of whom we have never even heard of before, an animal who carries her family about with her in her pocket. Suppose I carried my family about with me in my pockets. How many pockets should I want? Sixteen, said Piglet. Seventeen, isn't it, said Rabbit. And one more for the handkerchief? That's eighteen. Eighteen pockets in one suit. I haven't the time. Well, let's be honest. I have three kids, and I don't have the time to carry them around in my pockets either. But if you think for a minute about what Milne is saying here about xenophobia and immigration, and given that he wrote it in the wake of World War I, which was the first war of more carnage than had ever been experienced before. Chemical weapons, bombs which literally ripped bodies apart on a scale that had never been seen. A war that had nationalism at its root and left combatants with a new term, shell shock. Something we would later rename as post-traumatic stress disorder. Out of that, Milne writes this little story about what happens when someone new moves in. And he is honest about the reaction. He goes on to show Rabbit actively promoting a position by falsely proclaiming that Kanga is one of the more fiercer creatures, adding that because she is female, she is equal to two fiercer creatures because she has a baby. Xenophobia and sexism. Thank you, Rabbit. And Pooh and Piglet are doubtful at first, but Rabbit seems so sure about his information that they agree to a plot to take Rue away, believing that by stealing her baby, Kanga will get so upset she will leave. They're hatching a plot of terror. I'm telling y'all, Milne did not mess around. Now, the story has a happy ending, with Rabbit coming to like Rue very much, and Kanga getting some revenge by forcing Piglet to have a bath, which he did not enjoy, Um, and then some further admonishment from Christopher Robin to Piglet for his part in things. Kanga and Rue become part of the community. Rabbit is still kind of a jerk. He never really loses that quality in the stories. And Piglet learns something very important about going along with things despite his own misgivings and doubts. But again, what comes across in the story is not a heavy-handed retaliation against Rabbit, but the situation is not ignored either. Christopher Robin has to step in and handle things, and once that is done, peace is restored. See, Paul doesn't imply to the church at Colossae that owning their belovedness will ensure there is never conflict, even serious conflict. What he promises to the community is that when we throw out our worst impulses, the worst ways in which we can hurt one another, and instead develop in ourselves and in our communities new ways to interact with, teach, and challenge one another in wisdom and love, that we will end up creating peace. 
One of my favorite adages is that conflict breeds intimacy. When we have conflict and then work through it in a loving and healthy way, we are brought closer together. And if you have experienced a long-term relationship with someone, you know this to be true. Yes, it's uncomfortable in the moment. But when we actually address the conflict and work for solutions, we are a stronger community when we are done. And that is when we will sing unto God a hymn of gratitude. For God has provided us with the foundation of love, the basis for our very character, and a model of how to do it by following Jesus Christ. Friends, this is not a new idea. Our scripture proves it's actually a very old idea. But it seems to be one that we rather forget. Whether we're looking at a small fledgling church in Colossae, a post-war parable from the Hundred Acre Wood, or at our nightly news, the lesson seems to be one we have to keep learning. We are beloved. We are called to love others and to love God. We are tasked with peace. And maybe someday this radical idea will stop being so radical. Maybe that day is now. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus. Please pray with me. Gracious and loving God, your call to us is always clear. It is a call of love. A call that we have been loved, are being loved, and we are capable of spreading that love around. And that when we center ourselves on that love, we make the right choices, we enact the right policies, we have the right responses to whatever conflict enters among us. Help us to keep that at the forefront. Help us to hold one another accountable to it. And help us all be agents of your peace. Amen.